the Spot Track Podcast, talking sports contracts, the salary cap, and business of sports. Today's edition of the Spot Track Podcast is presented by The Athletic. This fall is full of sports. It's an incredible time to be a sports fan, and there's no better place to get breaking news, real time commentary, brand new on the app. Awesome. And powerful stories than The Athletic. It's great storytelling, relentless reporting, and insightful analysis. Tons of analytics as well. Podcasts, long-form articles, short stuff on the app. Like I said, live commentary now. The Athletic gives you everything you need as a personalized feed. You pick your leagues, you pick your teams, you get notifications on when, when things are happening, injury updates, all that great stuff. Visit theathletic.com slash track. Get yourself 40% off your first-year subscription today. And speaking of great stuff, in your inbox or in your home, Hip Parade. The mystery memorabilia box. Pay a couple of bucks. Get yourself a box. Open it up. You may find a Patrick Mahomes signed rookie card. You may find yourself a Peyton Manning signed helmet. Hey, how about a Tiger Woods autographed memorabilia? The list goes on. All the big names. Tom Brady, Mike Trout, all the big names across sports. I've been following these guys on the socials for a long time now. Every single day, somebody's opening up something great and posting it on there to show and brag. <laughs> it's kind of a no-brainer if you're a big uh, Big sports fan. Anybody who knows about the breaks and things like that with memorabilia, this is the forefront of it. This is where you get it. The best mystery memorabilia box in the United States. Visit dacardworld.com. Get yourself a hip parade box today. My name is Mike Gennetti. It's Sunday evening, just before that Sunday night football game of Seattle and New England. But boy, we've got plenty to talk to about. Unfortunately, just a brutal first couple slate of games here in terms of injuries. I've tweeted it out there. Many people have been talking about it. It's kind of the story, even though there's been some great football as well. But Saquon Barkley looks like he's done with an ACL. Nick Bosa and Solomon Thomas done with ACLs for San Francisco, who also lost Jimmy Garoppolo to a high ankle sprain for a couple of weeks, it looks like. And possibly Raheem Mostert, the running back for a long term as well, as that knee's being evaluated for an ACL injury as well. Uh, that's just an, a, a few. Christian McCaffrey missed the... You know, the back back end of his game with an ankle injury. And uh, Cam Akers for running backs. The, the, the youngster for the Rams has a rib injury. Devontae Adams is out. Will Fuller, Fuller is out for Houston again. Drew Locke missed much of the game with the shoulder issue. I mentioned Garoppolo. It's, the list is huge. It's just growing and growing. And uh, it's both sides of the ball. Every game had some sort of major injury today. I mean, honestly... The Schefters and Rappaports of the world spent the entire morning just reporting on these injuries, and now they're they're confirming you know much of what we kind of already knew with how severe these things are. It's a brutal day for it, and people are going to attribute this to not having a preseason, to obviously having a a, a weird training camp. Uh, you know, did guys stay in shape? Were the fields in shape? I mean, that's a big part of it too. A couple of these, especially that field the Forty ers game was on, is being called into question for. I, I mean, what can you say? If it's if it's a sticky field and, and legs are being stuck into the ground, that's when these leg lower lower half injuries happen. And there were just so many out there today. It's it's tough not to look to that at least as a reason. But the list is growing. Unfortunately, hopefully, you don't see anything major happening in Sunday night or Monday night football here to finish off week two. But enough's been done to make it the the talking point of the week. Uh, thoughts and prayers to all those people. Honestly, I mean, those are awful injuries, terrible injuries. I'm talking about here. There's some minor bumps and bruises, of course, which we get on a weekly basis. But the, you know, to have a list north of 15 players with severe injuries on contending teams too, it's just uh, not something you want to lead off with. But that's a, uh, it's it's the only place to go right now. 
We did have some contracts this week. I'll, I'll touch on those a little bit. We had Jordan Rodriguez from The Athletic last, last show. Uh, she covers the Rams out west. And, of course, as she predicted, maybe a little bit more financially speaking than we predicted, but Robert Woods got his contract. It is four years, $65 million in new money, new years. $32 million of that fully guaranteed. It sounds like it's really just kind of a restructure over the next three years of his contract where he's going to get $32 million fully guaranteed over those next three years. It's a good payday. It keeps him with Cooper Cup. It keeps Jared Goff's weapons ample. And he's shown over the first couple of weeks here that he can throw the ball still. So they look good. I'm, you know, They're not the best team in the NFC, but they're up there. They're contending right now. That's a team to watch. They play at Buffalo next week. Huge game. We'll talk to Scott Allen about that a little bit coming up here, and, uh, amongst other things. But that's a, that's a good contract for Robert Woods. He's a Southern California kid, so to keep him there on a good payday makes sense for that organization and for himself. We had Tariq Cohen, kind of a surprise contract because obviously David Montgomery has the keys to that running arsenal now in Chicago, but they gave him a nice healthy contract, basically $5.75 million a year, probably two years fully guaranteed. I haven't seen the structure just yet. Uh, We do have the structure on many of those running back contracts that hit right before the season of week one there. And, you know, as expected, these are three-year contracts. I mean, you're you're just not going to see four- to five-year contracts for running backs anymore. That's out of the question. The fact that we got this far with, with many of these running backs is kind of amazing as it is, but... You know, uh, Elvin Kamara is going to get almost $30 million over the next three years. That's locked in stone. He'll probably get four for 40 before New Orleans really has to do anything about that. Dalvin Cook's a little bit less uh, stable in terms of the long-term structure. I would, I would put him at three years, $27.3 million set in stone. But that fourth year is going to be a question mark for, for him in Minnesota. And, oh, by the way, Minnesota looked like garbage today. So... Uh, you know, the, the idea of keeping anyone long-term on, on these contracts is going to be difficult and complicated if they continue down this path early on. And then, of course, Saquon Barkley. Sit, he's, and this is year three of that rookie contract, so he would be extension eligible after this season. And there were some talks that he was already seeking that $60 million contract McCaffrey locked in not too long ago. But this ACL tear is going to be a problem. Uh, that's going to be a problem for him. Certainly long-term, it's certainly going to be a problem for the Giants who have been running the ball through him kind of exclusively, waiting for him to break out, waiting for him to prove that his draft position was worthy. It's going to be Daniel Jones' ball now, that's for sure. They're going to be a passing team from here out with a couple of complimentary running backs to go with it, but we shall see. Austin Eckler got paid this offseason. He gets about $18.75 million over the first three years. It's a really nice kind of tempered contract coming from an undrafted free agent, as we talked about with Ross Tucker last week. But that Chargers team is going to come. Justin Herbert is on the field. He is playing good ball. They darn near, uh, you know, look, they, they gave the Chiefs a heck of a game today. And Austin Eckler was a big, big part of it. And he's going to be a big part of it with a rookie quarterback in the, in tow like that. So expect big things fantasy-wise from him. And expect him to outplay that contract pretty quickly because, you know, $6.5 for a, a player that can be as versatile as he can is going to be a nice get for the Chargers. And I put Kareem Hunt in the same breath. We saw what he did Thursday night against Cincinnati. He, is, he and Nick Chubb are, are a clear one-two punch, maybe the best one-two punch in all of football right now. And he's got himself a nice extension. It's going to be about $15 million through three years if we can get there. Uh, but it's really two for nine in terms of how that's structured over the next two years. So, you know, they can get out of it if they need to give Nick Chubb $15 million a year in, in, in a year or so. Or... You know, if they can bring Nick Chubb down to the 12 million mark or so, 13 million dollar mark, maybe something that the uh, Delvin Cooks and the Aaron Jones, I think, will certainly lock in here. Uh, you keep you keep them both. You keep them both, 
and you let the running game be your focal point because Kareem Hunt and Nick Chubb can win you games. They've shown that, and they I think they'll continue to show that here early on in 2020. So those are kind of your new contracts. Um, I mentioned Aaron Jones, who went absolutely off today, won me some money in DraftKings, <laughs> and uh, he uh, he's sitting there waiting for a contract. There were some negotiation talks before the season. I kind of tweeted jokingly out there, but not really jokingly out there, that uh, you know he shouldn't leave Lambeau Field today without a contract. I mean, he, he was that important to that team. Aaron Rodgers had a nice game again this week, but lost Devontae Adams to a bit of an injury. Again, I mean, the, the, the names were huge on that injury list. So, you know, Rodgers was working with the complimentary staff during the passing game, and Aaron Jones just took over. He caught balls. He made huge runs. He broke, broke tackles. He did everything they needed him to do today to show what kind of a versatile running back slash weapon he is. And if he was worth $12 million yesterday or, or before the season, I think that thing jumps up, especially now with these other running backs under contract. You know, I don't know how you look at Aaron Jones and don't immediately think Delvin Cook. That's the money I see for him. So that's uh, to me, that's the contract you, you mimic. If it was Joe Mixon a couple of weeks ago, it, to me, you've got to push him up. He has now shown that now for three straight years, he is as important to that offense as Aaron Rodgers is and should be paid near the top of his position. So I would expect uh, a, a Dalvin Cook, Alvin Kamara, maybe in the middle there somewhere, you know, 13 and a half to 14 and a half million for Aaron Jones. But that thing's got to get done. There's no question Green Bay's got to keep him for the next three years, lock in two, two fully guaranteed now with a rolling guarantee on that third and then go from there. But he's definitely the name to watch. He had a, the hot hand now week one and week two. And he is in need of a contract, so keep an eye on that. Okay, we're going to bring in Scott Allen and talk a little bit about the U.S. Open that just finished up here. Uh, some NBA news. There are some rewards handed out. Obviously, we're deep into the playoffs there. And then we'll talk a little bit about a couple of these Week 2 teams in the NFL. And, uh, you know, some, some players that have contracts coming up, some teams that look good on paper, don't look good on paper. Are they real? How do we analyze them? Just some in and outs with Scott Allen. Joined on the Hip Parade Hotline by Scott Allen. Scott, welcome to our Sunday gig here. We're in the middle of, a boy, a wild football weekend here. Let's shelve that just for a moment. Bounce back into your world a little bit here. Basketball. We're getting closer. We kind of have some some things figured out. But <laughs> sort of in the midst of it all, on a Friday afternoon, they announced some awards. Um, <laughs> right? I mean, the MVP got I dropped know. at like 10 a.m. Eastern. Uh, we, we know. Do we know all the awards now? I guess I'm not even up to date yep. on that. Okay. Yeah, we do. Let, let me just give you a, a global question on this. Did anybody win an award or make the All-Pro team, the All-NBA team, that will affect them financially from a contract standpoint in the, in the coming years here? Yes. Okay. Uh, Lay it out for us. Yeah, so two people, Pascal Siakam and Ben Simmons, both being All-NBA, uh, helped trigger some percentage increase on their upcoming extensions. So with Pascal Siakam, he ended up getting all NBA second team, which triggered him to go up to 28% of the cap instead of the 25%. Uh, so he'll be at around $30.5 million starting next season. Ben Simmons, similar situation. He ended up being all NBA third team, which ended up getting him up to 28% of the cap as well. So he's at the same as uh, Siakam at 30.5 as well. Um, the other rookie extension that could have potentially had some trigger uh, increases was uh, Jamal Murray, but he did not make an all NBA team. So he stays at the 25%. Boy, he would have if the playoffs counted. Um, speaking of the cap, what do we know? 
Have we heard anything? Is there, are we leaning towards a different number than we maybe maybe previously noted? Yeah, it, it sounds like from the reports that were going out with these uh, these all NBAs that it sounds like the cap is going to be probably at the current threshold that we're at 109 million right now, uh, based on some of the numbers that were uh, reported on. So we've updated the site to the 109 million right now, uh, same as this current season. So all of the team values and Siakam and Simmons, they all are reflective of the $109 million cap right now. Okay. Uh, the, the other player that um, had an all NBA, which could help him with a super max extension down the line is uh, Jokic with Denver. He ended up having an all NBA second team this year. Uh, so if he ends up earning an all NBA next season, he would become eligible for a super max extension uh, starting in the 2020, 2023 season. Hmm. So he's only got a few years left. I didn't realize that it, Murray's locked in though, right? I mean, his extension kicks in next year. That's what you're saying. Yeah. yeah. He, he, his, his and Siakam and, and Simmons all kick in starting next season. Jokic has uh, three seasons left on his current contract. And so uh, this is just projecting down the line. If he in fact gets another all NBA, he could become extension eligible after um, that uh, 2021 2020-21 season okay. and, and go from there. Something to note. I mean, he's certainly making a name for himself here. Not that he didn't before this, but I think it's uh, kind of set in stone at this point that he is a legitimate superstar big man in the league right now. Um, okay, is that enough about basketball, or what am, what am I missing here? I mean, we, we kind of broke no. down the Clippers last week. We, we've talked Sixers. Um, yeah. We've talked Rockets, kind of, kind of beat that to death. What uh? I mean, what else? Is it, only, is it just waiting out the rest of this postseason here, and then and then really just flash, you know, immediately fast forwarding to an off season, right? Yeah, it really is. I mean, like we said in the in the past here, a lot of things are on the 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 slow path. We've heard that the draft is being pushed back into November. Free agency have not heard anything yet. Um, with that, my guess is that it would be relatively right after that. Um, uh, that draft date right now, I think it's like November 18th. So probably a, f a few days or a week after that is what they like to do based on the previous timeline. And then the, the other big name we've talked about him many, many times is Giannis. He got that MVP second time in a row. Doesn't do and, anything uh, for him though. You know, financially, it, right? It doesn't, yeah. but he, he can do that super max extension this off season. If he wanted to, he can wait, he can go into uh, the free agency when his current contract is up and then do a super max there or go somewhere else or a lot of scenarios. We talked about that in uh, quite a bit, I think in the last, last week. Um, but I mean, it's something to keep an eye open for any tea leaves or anything out there which way he may lean. So it's just something to keep an eye on. Let me ask you this final NBA question off the top of your head. And obviously, you know, I'm putting you on the spot here. Have any of these draft picks that have been traded over the past couple of years been affected with this, this playoff and, and how things have hashed out here? Or have you heard about, 
you know, picks being relinquished or sent back or things like that. I know there's a lot of conditions and scenarios with a lot of these trades. Um, I just wonder if you've heard of one of those OKC picks or something like that getting thrown back at this point. Mm, I, I have not. And I, I'm sorry to say that I, I don't know at the moment. There yeah. may have been, but off the top of my head, I haven't heard or read or anything about that. Yeah, I think uh, I, I, I believe, you know, we're sitting here looking at Boston. That's going to have three first round picks. Is that possible? that this Boston Celtics team is going to have that situation in the draft? Uh, looking at it right now, I see, th- yeah, I see three. It looks like they're uh, about 14 and um, 26 and 30. Yikes. <laughs> I mean, that's so, a hell of a team with the, with those kind of assets. My goodness. It is. It is. And they've yeah. got a decision on Gordon Hayward. Well, he's got a player option. I imagine he kicks in on that. But yeah. It's an expiring probably. now, so they probably look to trade that, right? You probably can get somebody to take an insp- expiring contract for of Gordon Hayward, don't you think? Especially yeah, if you're throwing one of these first-round picks, right? <laughs> I mean, that's, yeah, pro- that's probably you, something you do to get yourself cap safe here. Yeah, you would have to wait until you exercised it, and then you could trade him immediately after you exercised it. Yeah, I wonder um, if that's in the tea but, leaves here because that's, like I said, that's – the best team with the well outside of golden state and their number two overall pick that's got to be the second best scenario from a draft perspective leading up to this 2020 draft i mean that is powerful moves right there for danny Ainge and that boston which he's had before we've seen him do this before and he he almost never makes those picks so they're going to be active and, and they're a darn good team already so that's uh that's fun fun times for the fall here yeah. that's a great point especially if for some reason if they don't get past Miami. I mean, they're close. They're, Oh yeah. They're, they're right there. Uh, so I wouldn't be surprised if he packaged those and and made some sort of move to bring in another star to help get them over the hump. Yeah. Some type of big man. I would think that seems to be the missing link for that team right now. Although the young kids are playing well. All right. That's enough NBA talk. Uh, we had a heck of a golf tournament this weekend. You know, the, the, the betting favorites all kind of hung in there. If if I, if I had to put it that way, you I mean the Tigers and the Phils, they phased out pretty quickly, as, as was expected, to be honest. But uh, came down to a nice little tournament. Sunday got a little bit ugly, and DeChambeau kind of spaced himself from the pack here. But look at the Xander Shoffley's, the uh, Louis Eustazen's, you know, many of the uh, the experts that I listened to in, in the golf world were picking those kind of players. So this was kind of a chalk scenario coming down to Sunday here. I didn't think DeChambeau had it in him. So I didn't watch it. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be honest with you. I did not watch it. There was football. There was, there was a Mets <laughs> afternoon game. I was watching EPL soccer since 7 in the morning. So I, uh, you know, I kept up with it on, 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 my, on my phone, but I did not see the golf personally. But we have numbers to break it down. Give us the payout for DeChambeau. Give us a couple of notable names and maybe uh, throw this back into the total earnings for 2020 if you can. Yeah, DeChambeau. $2.25 million and then Wolf at $1.35 million. And then third, uh, Luis, uh, Oost. I, <laughs> Oost. Yeah. 830,000. Um, and so, then so say it again, DeShamo got what a little over two. Is that what it was? 2.25 million. It's not a bad yeah. weekend. No, um, not at all. Okay. I yeah, mean, look at that's a big step forward for him because he's kind of a bruiser. He's a big hitter. That's this course is conducive to big hitters from what I was hearing last week, but you got to hit it pretty straight. <laughs> this is, this is a rough, <laughs> you don't want to mess around with. So it's good on him for cleaning up his act this weekend and getting, I mean, a six stroke win is in a major is something to talk about. So this is a big win for him and clearly financially as well. 
All right, let's stay on golf. One last question on golf here, Scott. The Masters is not until November 12th, which is the weirdest thing ever, but, you know, we're going to love it whenever it's there. Here's the betting favorites right now. It's Rory kind of by a long shot at seven to one. Then Bryson now. So Bryson's now your 12 to one second tied with John Rahm, both of which have big wins this year, obviously. Then Justin Thomas and Tiger Woods, all kind of neck and neck. So it's Rory, the clear betting favorite, and then a group of four that, you know, have experience and have big wins. And now you can include Bryson in that conversation. Then just outside of them, is Kepka and Dustin Johnson. Those two kind of feel like the right bet, right? I mean, Dustin Johnson's been the best golfer in the world all year, and it hasn't even been close. Now, he's, he's struggled in these high-pressure moments, but he's also won some high-pressure smaller tournaments here. So am I crazy in thinking those two seem like the better bets here, or are we supposed to go with one of the big dogs? Kepka loves these, man, these yeah. you know, bigger he, I guess he's going to be too. healthy, though, right? Yeah. I mean, we've got six weeks here, so more than that. My goodness, two months. So, I mean, but coming off this uh, this tournament here, DeChambeau, you know, he, he could be riding high and feeling like he, he can do this. So, you know, it it's gonna it's gonna be some great golf, especially in the see. In, I, don't, in the fall. I don't love him there though because Augusta's not a big swingers kind of kind of course. It's yeah, it's petite, right. it's finesse, it's. And look, he's he's clearly shown he can drive it straight and, and chip and putt. I mean, that's how you win the U.S. Open for sure at, the, at this Wingfoot course. So I, I'd, I'd lean more towards a Justin Thomas initially. But if I'm looking for a good bet, uh, if I'm looking for a great bet, I'll tell you where I'm looking is Patrick Reed at 25 to 1. I know he's a mouthful, but he had a hell of a U.S. Open for three days and he has won at Augusta. He has won. So. He deserves to be closer to that to the top of this field, in my opinion, especially now no, having seen him play well this weekend. I, I would at 25 to one. I think I'd put my money right there right now. understanding that, you know, there's a lot that comes with rooting for Patrick. Reed. <laughs> but what those, I mean, these are certainly going to change as we get a little bit closer here. But we uh, we sh- we shall see. We shall see. Um, let's switch to football. Week two is fun because we don't really have to overreact anymore. We can kind of start to read and adjust and analyze a little bit more, even though there's still 14 weeks left. I'm going to, th- I'm going to start with our hometown team, the bills. Okay. Who looked damn impressive, though they didn't cover, which I, I think I told about a lot of people here that that was going to be the case. Cause Ryan Fitzpatrick is just a pill. Um, they were impressive. Josh Allen over 400 yards. Mm-hmm. Uh, the running game was flexible and versatile. They lost the tight end, but still kind of made it work in the, in the middle of the field with a couple of really nice, I mean, really all three wide receivers got their run today from Allen and the defense was banged up, but you know, held a good Miami team until the fourth quarter when things started to unravel a little bit. The point is this there, they were the sexy pick coming into this whole, this entire season. I mean, for a lot of experts, you know, had them had it chiefs, Ravens bills in terms of the AFC where Houston would be falling out of this conversation. Those are the two teams I want to ask you about right now because Houston is now 0-2, Buffalo is now 2-0. But you can't say that without saying Buffalo has beaten the Jets and the Dolphins and Mm -hmm. Houston has lost to the Chiefs and the Ravens. Mm -hmm. How do we analyze this? Do we just throw these two weeks out 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 the window for these two teams? If you had to bet one of them in week three, let me put it that way. 
Mm, let me see who they're playing in week three. Yeah. <laughs> uh, let's see. The Bills are playing. It's going to be favorable. They're Rams at the Bills. Uh huh. Rams look great. Yeah, they do. And then Houston. Houston has the hardest first three weeks in the history of football. Literally. They, they play the Steelers week three. Oh, they do. I mean, at, this, at is, Pittsburgh. this is crazy. Can you imagine if there were fans and they had to play at Arrowhead, then Baltimore and at Pittsburgh to start their season? That's a death sentence. <laughs> That's crazy. But I, I can't bet Houston against Steel- Pittsburgh. I can't do it. No, I, I don't think you can either. And the, the Bills, I mean, they're eventually going to have a gambit of teams later in the season where they, they're going to have to play Tennessee, then Kansas City, San Fran, Jets, then yeah. New England, and then they have Seattle, Arizona, yeah. the Chargers, San Fran, Pittsburgh. I mean, they're going to have a gambit there eventually. Well, it kind of starts so, this week. I mean, the Ram- this is a tough game. This Rams game is tough. This is, a, is. this is a team that we kind of knew was going to be on the fringe. They were on the fringe last year. They made some significant changes to that roster from a financial perspective. And uh, as we noted on the last podcast with Jordan Rodriguez from The Athletic, they are not giving up here. They are all in. They now have extended Robert Woods. He's now in the party, four years, $65 million, half guaranteed. They're in. I mean, they are not backing down at all, and they look good. They look good enough right now to compete. So this is a heck of a matchup for the Bills. We're going to know a lot more about what the Bills are after – September 27th. <laughs> I think if I had, if I had to go back to your question, who would I bet? I, I would bet the bills. Um, You're giving Houston I, no I, chance at Pittsburgh. I, I, I wouldn't say no chance because Pittsburgh did struggle a little bit there uh, in the middle of the game. But I, I think if the bills, if those linebackers can be there uh, to shore up that middle, um, I, I think they're firing on all cinder cylinders. Yeah. Um, I mean, they started stretching the field and, and getting digs down. They got John Brown stretching the field there mm-hmm. and in they're using Singletary and Moss. So they're really coming into their own and like in, in Dawson Knox there. I mean, he, he was their, their go-to tight end. Hopefully he can be able to come back for that, uh, that game next week. But th- on offense, we're actually seeing them really, you know, they're, they're gelling that chemistry. We always talk about Allen was throwing that ball on a string. Yeah. Uh, if he can do that next week and, and continue to do that and not turn the ball over and, and have those stupid fumbles and throw stupid interceptions, which he didn't do today, which was great. Um, I, I, I think the bills are definitely in the right direction and I w- I would bet them. It certainly sounds like you're in on them and I'm, I'm just here to say, let's pump the brakes. That's all no, because I, I think this I, Rams team, you know, just Jalen Ramsey alone, is a game changer based on what we saw today. I mean, the Dolphins right. number one cornerback went out and basically on the first play of the game and there were, you know, and Allen kind of had his way ever since I believe he's the first 400 yard passer for Buffalo since 2002. Is that what I read? 2002. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think that's right. Uh, nice day for him. Not going to discount that at all. I just think we, we need to wait a week now to see what that Buffalo team can do against a it'll, legitimate it'll contender. Here. Be, yeah. It's definitely going to be a good test to see, what bills team we're looking at. Yeah. Um, I mean, at least Miami gave them a little bit of a run for their money. So they had to, 
you know, scheme a little bit more than they may have initially thought they needed to. But you're right. Ne- next week is definitely going to be a huge test, especially moving forward with the gambit that they're going to have to go through. And the reason I bring it up, you know, is not just because it's a hometown team for us back in the day. Josh Allen's obviously eyeing up a contract here. He's in year three. He's going to be extension eligible after this season. It was a lot of doubt about whether that was even going to be a conversation coming into 2020. And now he's got back-to-back weeks of 300 and 400 yards passing, a couple of dumb fumbles in that first game. But other than that, he's on track for, you know, Deshaun Watson-esque kind of money. Somewhere, somewhere $35 million plus at this point, if I had to guess, without redoing that evaluation at this point. So that's something to keep an eye on now because the, the Baker Mayfields and the Sam Darnolds of, the, of, of that draft class have – have really fallen off. I mean, you know, Baker might be the long-term option, and, and there's 14 games left in the season, I think, for Cleveland fans that really get on board with that. But right now, I'd say it's a no in terms of an extension after this season. No way, in fact. But Allen's getting himself into that conversation with Lamar Jackson, where it's almost going to be a, a no-brainer right now, early on in 2020, if, uh, if all things can continue this way. Speaking of Houston and, and things we can rely on, Will Fuller is hurt. <laughs> so just another punch on, the, on that mouth for, for the Texans fans out there. It's going to be a tough week three no matter what. But without uh, a piece of that puzzle, you know, lose DeAndre Hopkins to a trade, and now Fuller's out with an injury again. So Cooks, Cooks showed up, but I don't think they have enough. Enough of that. Let's go to the NFC real quick. We talked about these injuries a little bit here, Scott. I, I know you've seen my tweet and many other tweets that kind of list out just that was just the one o'clock games that I tweeted out, by the way, <laughs> I haven't yeah. even accounted for injuries that have happened in these four o'clock games or what's coming later in the, in the, in week two here. But um, just an absolute bloodshed first, first couple of games here, especially the one out West in San Francisco with the, with the 49ers. They, uh, you know, their literal backup team destroyed the jets. I mean, destroyed mm-hmm. the jets. The, the jets are clearly a shell of an AFC team right now. And, uh, you know, Adam Gase is clearly the front runner for first coach fired, uh, among other things. I mean, does Le'Veon Bell get traded out of there? What, what's going to happen with that team? Donald's the last question with me right now on that team. So much of that is just a mess, but San Francisco did some damage there, got themselves a nice win. Their run game is outstanding, but is that enough? Cause I think Garoppolo is definitely out next week. It's going to be Nick Mullins team. And oh, by the way, we've seen this before, and he's a he's not too bad of a backup quarterback. Can San Francisco now hold on for two or three weeks here if that's what it's going to take? It sounds like Nick Bosa is going to be all year. That's a huge blow. That um, is. Mostert could be. It sounds like Mostert's ACL could be an issue here from what I'm reading. And Garoppolo's got a high ankle. That's generally two to three minimum weeks. So can they hang on? Are they real contenders? Have they played? Is it more of a Bills situation where – there's a little bit of a letdown in the opponent, so they're kind of carrying through the day right now. Or where do you sit with the 49ers? I think I think they they're going to be able to hold on. Um, I think, like you said, we've seen yeah. Mullins come in and do what he needed to to sustain. I think that's going to happen again. Kyle Shanahan has a plan in place, and you know, it's a great point, Scott. Let me let me tack onto that because we saw Jordan Reed. <laughs> literally walk yeah, off the hospital bed in Washington for <laughs> four years and basically look like George Kittle. So that's, that's coaching. That's, that is a Shanahan system that is built to, to make certain positions succeed. It is clear that tight ends will do well in his system. It's, it's very obvious. I mean, Jordan Reed was a very nice player 
uh, you know, if you can protect him. And that's certainly what happened today. And he exploded. Uh, and clearly Shanahan's te- uh, systems are conducive to running the ball. They've got three legitimate running backs, maybe two now with most are injured. But Tevin Coleman and Jarek McKinnon are enough to, to, to front load that offense. So you're right. This is about coaching. And, and, and if, if that's the point you're going you're gonna to live on here, I think the 49ers can, can remain contenders. And to bring it back to our world, if Mullins can hold the ship and look about as good as he did the last time he had to do this, Grapple's out. Uh, he's done after 2020. In fact, he might be done before 2020 because he's got big, he's got big time per game active bonuses that it might not even make sense to activate him. Truly, we've seen this before with Sam Bradford where, you know, if a team knows that they're going to move on, you just don't wait. They've got two backup quarterbacks on that team that I think they like in Nick Mullins and CJ Beathard. We've seen them both on the field. Uh, you know, Garoppolo is a better quarterback. He's a, more, he, he's a more skilled quarterback than those two players. But in this system, I'm just not sure that matters. And I think that's the point you were trying to make there. So let, let, this is, and I hate to do this to a player who just got injured, but we're on Garoppolo watch now in San Francisco. There's no question. Yeah, From a contractual standpoint, that's where we're headed now in 2020. Yeah, and, and 49ers get a, a sort of a break here in the next two weeks. They're playing the Giants next week and then the Eagles the following week after that, and then Miami. So, I mean, yeah. at least the next two weeks, they they are playing teams that are not playing well. The Giants lost Barkley, yeah. and the Eagles just look like a, Man. a, a shell of themselves. Speaking of quarterbacks on the clock, right? Goodness, yeah, right. Carson yeah. Wentz. Man, he's not yeah. he's not making his case any better there, but we'll stick off that. Let's stay in that division, though, because, oh, my goodness, the Cowboys. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> uh, I'm not going to go, you know, down into Dak's contract evaluation because we've certainly done that for, my God, 15 months now, it feels like. And there's nothing he can do. I mean, there's no contract coming for Dak Prescott until at least January. So there's no worth, it's not worth talking about it. But this Cowboys team is loaded offensively. They couldn't move the ball for two and a half quarters. And then the Falcons became the Falcons and just absolutely let them back in this game to the point of where Dak wanted at the end. I mean, he just walked this thing back. They recover an onside kick. Dak goes for 450, including three rushing touchdowns because now that's a part of his game now, apparently. Uh, You know, Zeke had a nice game. They're missing their tight end. There's no question about that. But, you know, CeeDee Lambs, Amari Coopers, they all kind of stepped up today. Uh, Is this a step forward? Is this going to be something that they can ride on now? Does Dallas start to look like the Dallas we think they're going to be? Or is this going to be an up-and-down season because of that new coach and it's just going to take some time? Where are you with Dallas right now? I think it's going to be an up-and-down season. Yeah. I mean, they're, they're, next week they go into Seattle. That's a gauntlet to have to go into there. And then, they're, then they play the Browns after that and then the Giants after that. So next week is definitely going to be a huge test for them. Sure. Um, and, and then they've got a couple, if you want to call them gimme weeks, they could be gimme weeks. Um, but the resiliency to come back because the Falcons were up, I, I forget how many points they were up by. I think it was like 20 points or something yeah, at close one point. To it, but, yeah. you know, f- the fact that they came back and they were able to um, – just get that win the way they did. Uh, we saw Andy Dalton come in for a few plays because, you know, Dak hit his head on the ground. And I mean, they're lucky that he, he was able to come back because if that was a concussion and then they had, I mean, it could have been Dalton time uh, to see if that is who, who Jerry would want to ride after uh, Dak rides off into the sunset there. But um, are we having that conversation again? Not yet. 
I don't I, think yet. I'm not ready to either. I no, mean, we, no, we, we kind of joked about it and we talked about, you know, what he needs to do to really just squash all of that. But th- this was a hell of a performance. It, oh, it, it took some time. I, I don't know if it's play calling. Look at Aaron Rodgers was all over this coach for play calling the mm-hmm. past three, four seasons. I mean, it was just, it was a point of contention for Rodgers, who clearly when you let him loose can go, can still go. Cause Aaron Rodgers is having no trouble scoring 40 points per game in 2020. So uh, he has been freed of whatever Mike McCarthy has constricting play calling, you know, situation is. And I think Dak is now trying to either learn it, figure it out or get out of it. Uh, and, and whatever happened in the third, you know, the third and fourth quarter here today in Dallas, to me, it's something for them to build on. And it, I hope it's something that they, that they start to scheme more because what, what it proved to me, and I'm going to finish on this without going down that rabbit hole again, Scott, what proved to me is you can open up Dak. You can open up that playbook and let him do whatever you ask him to do because he's that skilled. He's that talented. And, you, you know, you've got to let him have the keys and go and, and go wherever he wants to go because it seems like all of these weapons are available and open and, and, and very, very skilled on this team. It's not just on paper. It looks real good when it clicks on the field. You know, it's similar to the Browns, but the Browns just don't seem to have the right scheme. You know, they don't have that offense. You saw a couple of good shots Thursday night, but – you know, just from, from a play-to-play standpoint, it doesn't seem like the coaching staff and this, the personnel are clicking right now, whereas we saw this now a little bit last week, but now definitely this week in Dallas later in this game where if you push the right buttons and just kind of let Dak do his thing, he can go. That's the, that's the A number one evidence, exhibit A, of a franchise quarterback. I mean, I, I don't know what more Dak has to do at this point. Um, you know, winning's gonna gonna cure everything, but this is the kind of performance that you just don't get out of a lot of quarterbacks. You know, it, it, yeah, and, and like we said before, it, with the contract situation that he's in, this is the season that he this is what he has to do almost every game, and then some, and then win the Super Bowl, and then you know, trump that. Yeah, contract and sit. That and, would certainly make it that. easier. That's for sure. <laughs> but 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 this is what we were saying uh, a, a couple weeks ago. Th- th- this is what Dak has to do, and if they're going to let him open up and do these kinds of things to show the versatility of him, mm-hmm. a it's going to make it much harder to not pay him, and b if they don't pay him, there are going to be a there are going to be teams teams that are going to want him on their team because they're seeing things that they haven't seen before. Who's the best lowest paid team in football, Scott? I'm going to give you them in order of the least amount of cap allocated in 2020. Jacksonville, the Jets, the Broncos, the Patriots, and the Panthers. I'll say the, I'll say Jacksonville. Okay. I mean, New England's got a real chance here. I mean, if if Cam can take that next step forward with this offense, he's got a real chance to be the best value in football. But you're right. Minshew is quite a story here, man. I've got to see, I've got to see a second game. We've seen the second game with every, all those other teams. I need to see a second game with the Patriots, but right now I'm going to go Jacksonville for the fact that, like you just said, Minshew is a, he's a baller. He, He can throw the ball. He's making, uh, making things happen on the field. The chemistry of that team is yeah. working. I mean, he's getting it to all these different receivers. They're, they're, they're moving it. They brought in Chris Thompson, who is, you know, Washington used him. Well, Jay Gruden like, there. I mean, they, he knows yeah. how to use him. Yeah, he does. And so I, I think I saw your tweet. What would the Jacksonville yeah, team I, 
if they had those players on defense that they didn't move because it's a little nearsighted because you know look i think the reason this team is successful early on here and you know they lost today in a close one but they they played real well i I think subtraction addition by subtraction is is the right theme for jacksonville right now i mean that offense is simpler there you don't have the options that confuse play calling you know what i mean like you you don't feel like you have to ride Leonard Fournette because of where you drafted him. And I think that's a big part of it. Look, I think the Giants are, we're dealing with that with Saquon Barkley for two years now. They feel like mm-hmm. they have to ride and die with this guy because of the number two overall selection. And it's just not the case. If it, if it ain't working, don't do, you know, don't, don't keep throwing baloney at the wall. So the, I do think a simplified offense has worked out huge for Minshew in that, in that passing game. Um, but yeah, are they in a position to acquire somebody? at the deadline of defensive player and try to sneaky, sneaky win this division. Cause if Houston's going to fall back down to earth and now the Indianapolis looks like garbage, I mean like literal garbage, even though they had a good win against Minnesota today, I, I don't like the way they're playing at all. Uh, even though the rookies seem to seem to be, you know, there at least present. <laughs> I think Jacksonville has a legitimate chance if they, if they can yeah. score 30 points a game like this. So just keep an eye on this team. It's early. We're overacting a little bit, but Minshew looks good. He looks comfortable. This offense can certainly throw the ball. I just wonder if they, uh, they use some of those draft picks to go and get themselves a defensive player at the deadline. Somebody who's selling out there. I keep an eye for that because they, if they can, you know, give up 18 points instead of 25 to 30 a game, you win ball games. I mean, if yes, you, if you yes. stop teams from scoring 20 points, you win ball games. So there's, there's a, there's a reality to that. And if, and if that's a move that Dave Caldwell, that GM wants to make at the deadline, it wouldn't be very Jacksonville like, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> you know, at some point you got to go all in. It's kind of like the Miami Marlins in baseball. They kind of know when to pick their spots. And when they do, they, they just, do. they go absolutely all in and then they'll sell it all off in 18 months. But that uh, kind of feels like Jacksonville's trending towards that kind of a scenario. So that's uh, that's going to be must see football for the next six weeks or so. Anyone else stand out today? We, uh, we haven't, you know, we're recording this before the center night game which boy it's, it's Seattle, New England. You said you wanted to see more of cam. This is going to be the biggest test obviously of the year for him. Uh, and one of the bigger tests he's going to have early on this season, he's going to be without James white. Well, unfortunately there's some news right now that uh, he lost his father to a car accident today. So he's going to miss for, for personal reasons. Obviously that's a, yeah. that's a big blow to that New England Patriots offense, which is thin as it is. I, it just feels like Seattle's going to roll again. Unfortunately, I, I, do. Mean, I, don't, I, I do too. I don't know why you would bet against Russell Wilson right now in any regard. So, uh, especially when I picked him to go to the Super Bowl. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> you also picked the no, Utah here, Jazz to go to the. the <laughs> so I, I have two. <laughs> yeah, right. I, I have two, two, um, two players that I thought of while I was watching. One is. It looks like the Buccaneers are opening up Leonard Fournette to transition from Jacksonville uh-huh. to Fournette. I mean, they they opened him up and let him go, which it looks like that's going to be you know something to to be seen there. Um, and then the other one is, what is Minnesota going to do with Cousins? Oh, you I don't know. know. <laughs> it's not even worth talking about. They've signed everybody. I mean, they signed everybody. They restructured everybody already. Everybody's pot is cap in. I mean. I don't know what we do here. I don't know what we do. I mean, that is, that is such a financially tight team. And obviously they just signed Delvin cook to that extension. Uh, I don't know. I mean, <laughs> it's win or die at this point for Minnesota. We'll see what happens. And yeah, as we speak here, 
Yeah. Harrison Buckier just bailed out Pat- his buddy Patrick Mahomes. The Chiefs hold on wow. and beat a Justin Herbert-led Chargers team, which looked pretty darn good this week on short notice with Herbert getting the start. So Mahomes survives. The Chiefs survive. That's a good That's a good win for Kansas City who, uh, you know, you don't want to blow everybody out every week. You want to have this kind of controversy and a little bit of a uh, – you know, something to push yourself, especially early on here. So that's a nice win for them. All right. Good stuff, Scott. Got through a, a little bit through the sports world here. You know, look at this isn't slowing down. I mean, like I mentioned what I watched today, this morning, every single day is going to have something. I know the WNBA had to push some things back. They're still going though, in terms of their postseason. baseball's heading towards there about a week away from their postseason starting up some big, big, big teams, big names kind of fighting for spots there still. So it's busy times for everybody. We are adding to the site kind of feverishly at this point. I know you're doing a lot of work to bring us some new sports and some new elements to spot tracks. So we'll keep everybody posted on that soon. What else? Anything to finish off with? Uh, no, it's just been a lot, a lot of, a lot of sports. <laughs> sports. I mean, it, it, I, I have uh, my TV with picture in picture two iPads, my phone, <laughs> my son sitting next to me. He's trying to take over and flip to different games. I mean, it's, it's just, it's a unique situation with the amount of sports that are going on all at once all right. and trying to keep up. I so. got a good, I got a good finishing question for you because I, I know you mow the lawn. I know you go for runs, things like that. What is the best sport to listen to on the radio in your opinion? Cause I've listened to pretty much all of them, especially over the past six weeks when time just hasn't allowed me to sit down and watch, you know, I don't know. Baseball is an easy answer. Cause it's slower it paced. Is. It is, but I've listened to, I mean, I've listened to college football. I've listened to golf on the radio. I mean, <laughs> I I've listened to football. I've listened to obviously college basketball uh-huh. when I'm running. Basketball's tough. I mean, there's a lot going it, on quickly in basketball. Is. Baseball, I I really like the the Nationals baseball guys, so I I like listening to them. I'm actually interested. I'll throw this out there. A buddy of mine, we were talking this weekend with the the NASCAR race, and he says he listens to it on the radio here. Yeah, XM. And I didn't didn't even know that NASCAR had a radio feed here in Virginia, so he was telling me about it, and he said it's phenomenal because they talk about not only the guys in the front, but they'll talk about the guys in the back and – things that are being set up that the broadcast on TV does not set up. Mm-hmm. So I, I'm going to have to listen to that because I didn't even realize that NASCAR was on the radio. So I, I'll have to listen to that. But if I had to listen, pick one, I'd say baseball because yeah. I, guys down here are phenomenal um, doing the play by play in the, in the color commentary there. All right. Good stuff. My thanks to the athletic visit the athletic.com slash spot track for 40% off your first year. Congrats to them again on 1 million subscribers. My thanks to Hip Parade. Get yourself a Mr. Memorabilia box at dacardworld.com. For Scott Allen, my name is Mike Gennetti. Thanks for listening to this edition of the Spot Trek Podcast.